Today's stuff is Samach Dali. We're going to start at the bottom of Samach Gimel Amabet, about seven lines from the bottom. Start off with some interesting questions. Yativ Rav Nachman ve'ula v'avimi bar Papa. So they were sitting, Rav Nachman ve'ula and avimi bar Papa. Ve'yativ Rabbi Chia bar Abi Gabayhu. Rav Chia bar Ami, sorry, Ami, I, I think I said the wrong name. Anyway, Rav Chia bar Ami was sitting next to them. Ve'yativ v'kame b'ayilhu, and they... And he basically asked them, okay, this Rav Chiyabar, Rabbi Chiyabar Ami asked these other rabbis, What, sorry, Lishbor Nesach. If they, if a non-Jew hires you to break his bottles of Yei Nesach, and basically, you know, he's got maybe, I don't know why he would want you to do this, but if he hires you to basically destroy his Yei Nesach, are you allowed to do that, right? What's the question? Do we say that since you want the wine to be there so that you can get hired to dump it, so there's an actual ratzon on your part to want the wine to exist? And you're not supposed to want Avodazara to exist, you know, and Yenesach and things that relate to it, so you want it destroyed. So therefore, here you want it to exist in order for you to destroy it. Classic, right, Gemara question where they're going to basically come up with some weird case and try to think about it. Odilma, or do we say that to basically get rid of Tifla's Tiflut, that comes up in the famous, you know, it means like Hevel from Kohelet, you know, nothingness. Okay, anytime that you get rid of something that's nothing, that we don't want, okay, it's, it's a bad nothing, it's a Savodazara, as long as you're trying to get rid of it, it's great. Who cares if you're, you're hired for this and you, wanna, you want it to exist so that you can destroy it? In the end, what are you doing? It's really the question, does the end justifies the means? Right? In other words, the means are that you're actually wanting it to exist, but the end result is more important because you want it destroyed. So that's the question. Amrav Nachman Yishbor bracha. Okay, not only not only is it okay to do this, it's almost a mitzvah to do this. Okay, because you're helping to get rid of yein nesach. Lema meseile. Now they're going to bring another source, and they're going to suggest that maybe this supports this. Uh, maybe this bright supports Rav Nachman's answer that you should be doing such a thing. And it comes up in a totally different context, and it's quite different in a number of ways. Um, it's going to have to do with kilaim. Now, the first difference between this and kilaim is that kilaim is not usher for an obey kohavim. It's only usher for us. What's kilaim? It's when you mix two different types, you plant two different types of seeds next to each other within a certain proximity, and we're worried about them crossbreeding. Now, in a sense, part of the issue of kilaim is it's anti-creation. You're saying, I'm creating. So it, it a little bit relates to the Avodazar concept, but it's certainly not one of the Sheva Mitzvot Beninoch that Avodei Kochavim were commanded not to keep. So it's interesting that they bring this comparison. So why don't we show, here's the source, Ein Odrin Im Kochavim Okay, you can't dig with him around his kilaim. In other words, help him out in the process of, here I think the sense is it's already dug, but you're helping it to grow better. Okay, you're doing work in the field where he has kilaim growing because you're helping the kilaim to grow, and that is us for us to be involved. But you can uproot. If he wants you to come and uproot, he says, oh, look, these seeds, I planted them next to each other. I don't want these seeds next to those seeds. And you're helping him uproot them. Then it's allowed. Okay. So, Savruha, now we haven't yet explained the connection because it's going to depend on who we hold like. 
Savrua, they thought, when they brought this as a, as a source to support Rav Nachman, who said that it's a mitzvah to help uproot Avodah right, to dump the Yenesech, even though you actually, what's the similarity here? Again, you want the Kilayim to be Kayamim so that you can uproot them. Okay, so again, there's this concept of wanting them to be, wanting them to exist. So if they thought that this was like Rabbi Akiva, who holds, there's a machloket about whether you're, whether it's forbidden to maintain, to allow the kilaim to exist. Let's say you have kilaim, and, or, or you, right, what would be the case? You, I guess you would have to own it, but is it, do you get malko for just letting them stay in your field and not uprooting them? So Rabbi Akiva says, "Hamikayim bekilaim loke." Titania, and here's the source we're going to see. Haminakesh, if you if you you know, pull out some weeds, vamechapeh bekilaim, and you cover up the zraim. Right, normally when you plant, what do you do? You put soil on top. So if you do that, which are both part of the growth process of kilaim, then you're loke, right? Even if you didn't plant them, but if you do some sort of act that encourages them to grow, then you're, you're mal, you get malkot. But Rabbi Akiva and Tanakhama doesn't think you get malkot if you just let, leave them, okay, and let them grow without doing anything. Rabbi Akiva, Omer, if you let them grow and you don't uproot them, just by doing that, it's asr. My time Rabbi Akiva, what's his source? Amar kra, sadcha lo so the Pasuk says, Sadchalotis Rakilaim. Now normally when a Pasuk starts off and says you can't do something, what does it start with? Which word? Lo. It should say Lo Tizra Sadcha Kilaim. But in this case it says your field should not be planted kilaim. So what are they darshin? Ainli And so from the Pasuk, the shot would sound like it's only usher to plant. How do you know, and anything that would kind of help it grow, but how do you know that just leaving it, you're also forbidden to do that? Tamud Lamar, lo kilayim. They say instead of, it says, lo tizra sadcha kilayim, it says, sadcha lo tizra kilayim, and the lo is closer to the word kilayim. So they darshin, lo kilayim. Um, okay, which means, right, that you can't let them exist. So therefore, what's the connection here? If Rabbi Akiva says this asur lekayim kilaim, okay, and that would be equivalent to the isur lekayim avodazara, and yet what does he say when it comes to kilaim? You can help okrim, right? You can do that. You can get paid to be okir, even though you want its existence and its existence itself, letting it exist would be asur. So therefore, it's just like avodazara. And therefore, if they ask you to get rid of Yenesech, to uproot it, then we're going to say, right, you can also, right, Lishbor. Okay, you can break them, even though to let it exist, so this is why it's only according to Rabbi Akiva, because according to Chachamim, there's no Isur to let it exist. So if there's no Isur to let it exist, then it's not a comparison. Then of course you can be okay, and you don't have to worry about the fact that you want its existence, because there's nothing wrong with wanting its existence. There's no... Isur, you don't get malka for wanting its existence. But according to Rabbi Akiva, there's a sur lechayim, okay, right? only Rabbi Akiva holds this, then it would be an exact comparison to Avodazara, and then, just like Okrim, even though you want its existence and its existence is forbidden, likewise, it would be the same in both cases. Okay, that's their proof. But now the Gemara is going to say, just because you, they, this is all assuming that this Brita, 
where it says, but is according to Rabbi Akiva. If it's not according to Rabbi Akiva, then it's not going to prove anything. So now the Gemara suggests, why do you assume this is according to Rabbi Akiva? Okay, what was the assumption that it was according to Rabbi Akiva? Because according to Rabbanan, if there's no Isra Lekayim, then of course you can go work for them to uproot it. But now they're going to say, not necessarily. Hamane Rabbanan. Okay, um, oh, sorry. So according to that, and then they say, right? And then to, you know, we see, even though it's Asher Lekayim, Lemiute Tifla would be Muta. That's the end of that section. So now they say, Lo. Hamane Rabbanan. So they say, no, you could say that this source is actually Rabbanan, and Rabbanan permit to Oker, because there's no Easter or Lekayim. So then they say, I Rabbanan, if you want to say it's Rabbanan, my Iriya Okrim, Afilu Kiyumenami Shepridami. Why is it only Okrim? Even just to leave it would be okay. So why would they specifically tell you Okrim, if even to leave it would be Mutar? So now they say, there's a different Isur involved. In other words, we thought the Isur involved was to allow it to be to allow it to be Kayam, and therefore they say Okrin is Mutar, even though there's something operating against, right? They, you actually want its existence, and wanting its existence is forbidden. But according to Chachamim, it's a different issue. Notice, in our case, when we talked about it, the question they asked was if they hire you to dump the Yenesa. In this case, it actually doesn't say he hires you for money. It doesn't say he's, you know, l'skor, um, right? It doesn't use that word scharo. It says, you're allowed to uproot with him. It doesn't say why you're doing this. So they say the issue is that you're doing it for him for, to him for free. Now, why is it an issue to do it for him for free? If you remember, we learned in the beginning of the Masechet, this lo tichanem, there were all different interpretations, and one of them is, you can't do work for a non-Jew for free. Okay? So what does he say here? That this whole source now is chachamim, and how so? We're going to read it like this. He did the work bechinam, v'rabbi Yehudahi, it goes only according to Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, who says, damar litain lahem matnat chinam, that lo tichanem means you can't give them anything for free. I'm sorry. Okay? And therefore, the issue is like this. You can't give them anything for free. However, if what you're giving them for free is to uproot kilayim, which goes against what we believe in, you know, that man can kind of create their own thing, then you're allowed to do it. So now, according to this, this has nothing to do with our isor l'kayim and anything having to do with that. It's a whole different issue. Okay? And that's how they explain it. What does it say about um, GMO plants and whatever? Right. So, right. It's a good question how Kilim works out with all these things that we do nowadays with genetic things and all that and how we... So, I don't know enough about the topic. It would be, you know, be a good topic to research. <laughs> I'm not up on it. Maybe we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. So, um, but I can look it up and we can, you know, look up Kilim. Okay, um, so now, now the Gemara says, but wait, midi Rabbi Yehuda, nishma Rabbi Akiva. But we can now apply the logic of Rabbi Akiva to, I'm sorry, the logic of Rabbi Yehuda Shita, even though we said this was all according to Chachamim, we can apply this to, um, to Rabbi Akiva. How so? Because lav amar Rabbi Yehuda asur litain lahem manat chinam, Aval miute tifla shapir dami. 
לרבי עקיבא נמי, אף אגב דם רבי עקיבא, מקיים בכלאיים לוקה, למיעוטי טיפלה שפיר דמי. They say, but why don't we just say, whether we hold like Chachamim or we hold like Rabbi Akiva, if when we explain Chachamim, we're explaining it according to Rabbi Yehuda, who said that the whole issue is, well, on the one hand, it's usher because we can't do anything for them for free. However, because it's uprooting Kilaim, we allow it. So take that same logic and apply it to Rabbi Akiva and say the same thing. Even though it's usher l'kayim Kilaim, it's still mutar la'akor, okay? Which would then take us to where? Then when it comes to Avodah Zarah, it would be the same thing. And that would then support our answer. So whether we say this bright is Chachamim, Aliva de Rabbi Yehuda, which was the only way we were able to explain this Chachamim, or we explain Aliva de Rabbi Akiva, either which way the logic tells us that we can make the same jump to the Avodah Zarah. Because we're taking something that's Aser, that you really can't do, but since there's this other motivating factor, it even uses the same lashon, right? So in order to get rid of this, we're allowing something that would have been us or otherwise. And the Gemara ends with, and there's nothing more you can say about this, meaning we've proven it, okay? So basically, either which way we can prove that either the issue with the Kilayim is Asur L'Kayim, which is Rabbi Akiva, or it was done for free, and Asur L'Tayim Matnat Chinam, and yet, despite the fact that it's a sore, we're going to let you do it because there's some greater value going on here. And this is a good values discussion, right? When there's some other value that's more important, right? Which value beats out which value? So then it's going to be the same exact thing by the Vodazara or Ye Nesach. Okay. Next thing. Um, so now, while he was sitting, okay? Um, uh, sorry, Hador Yatvei They were continuing to sit. And again, he asked them another question. We learned that if a Jew sells a Vodazara, then the money that he gets is a Sorbahana'a. It's considered like the Avodazara itself. We were talking about this the other day, about the Damim, right? And that the Damim have the same inherent value we were talking about with Shvi'it. Same thing with Avodazara. But what if a non Jew sells an idol? Do we say that the idol, right, that that money is forbidden also? Does the Easter Hana'ah fall on his money also? So if we, he buys something with that money, are we not able to use it, right? We said, okay, go figure, right? It could, it's, impossible it's impossible to tell. But let's say you knew, okay? So would you say, Okay, it seems like it's mutar, no worries. It seems like it's mutar, which makes sense, because again, like we said, how else, you know, it would be impossible to uphold the salafa in a general way. How so? Midahanu, now he proves it from this case. Midahanu da'ate l'kameh Rabba Baravua. There were people who came before Rabba Baravua. Amar lehu, zilu zvinu kol ma di'it lehu. V'vitu itgairu. He said to these people, listen, before you convert, go sell all your stuff, and then convert. Okay, so if he said that to them, right? Um, uh, right, the point is that he was trying to say, go sell all your idols now, because once you sell your idols, once you become a Jew, it's all going to be forbidden by Hana'a, and you're basically going to lose all your money. So, right, my time must be, Mishum de Kasavar de Mutari. Okay, so therefore, it's obvious from here that that's what was going on. 
And therefore, it must be mutar because they allowed them to sell it while they were still goyim. V'dilma shane hatam, kevandi idate li'igiyure vaday batla. They say that's not a good proof because maybe the point is he was telling them, sell all your stuff before you convert, but obviously what are they going to do before they sell it? Remember, why did they have to sell it before they convert? Because they have to cancel it and you can only cancel Salim when you're a non-Jew. Once you convert, you can't cancel anymore because the beetle of a, of a Jew doesn't work. Remember, we had that whole sugi about canceling the status of the idol and you can only do that if you're an idol worshiper. So, um, it's interesting because they're not exactly idol worshippers if they're planning to convert. <laughs> but anyway, while they're still not Jewish, they could still do that. And therefore, this isn't a good proof. So let's try another one. Elamehacha, Yisrael shahayano sheba ove kochavim maneh. A non-Jew, and this is basically what you guys were worried about, right? A non-Jew that had to pay back a Jew money. He took out a loan. Umachar avodah kochavim. And how did he get the money to pay back the loan? He sold some idols. Vehevilo ye nesech. Um, sorry, Vehevilo, sorry, I read that wrong. He sold an idol, and then he brought the money from the idol. Yain Nesech, or he sold Yain Nesech, which is also forbidden, Mana'a, Vehevilo, and then he brings the money to the Jew, Mutar, that's allowed. So that already proves our case that clearly the Damim don't have the status, because if they did, he wouldn't be able to sell the idol and give it to the Jew, or the Jew wouldn't be able to accept the money, right? But can't you argue that it's secondary benefit? Because it's meaning it should be forbidden, or no, it should be permissible. Well, that's why they're permitting it. Yeah, right. Because well, again, it, it's true; it's secondary. But yet they said, if a Jew were to do it, let's say you sold an idol and then paid me, I wouldn't be able to get benefit, even though it's secondary. Because well, when a Jew, what again? These are all the instituted to make it much more serious that a Jew can't benefit either. So the money that a Jew uses from getting this, we're going to forbid. But it's only to a Jew, not to a non. Right. It's only if a Jew does it, not a non-Jew. So secondary wouldn't be enough because secondary with a Jew doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so now they say, okay, that already proved our point. However, there's an interesting second case in this Brighta. Avale Marlo, if the non-Jew says to him, Hamtainli ad asur. But if he says to you, wait here, I'm going to go sell my idol and I'll bring you the money. Then it's forbidden. So now the Gemara is going to obviously question, but what's the difference between the first case where it's allowed, where he does it on his own and, and then brings it to you, or the second case where he tells you, wait here and then does it? What's the difference? Oh, sorry, period. Rav Sheshet says, the reason is that when he tells you, wait a minute, I'm going to go sell my idol, and then I'll bring it to you, at that point, the Jew wants the idol to exist for those few moments till the non-Jew, however long it is, till the non-Jew sells it, he's wishing in his mind that the idol doesn't break because he knows that if the idol breaks, he's not going to get his money right away because the guy's going to have to find something else. So at that point, he wants the kiyum of Odazara. We always said before, right? It's not only, now we're learning, it's not only a sur it's a sur to want the kiyum of the Avodazara. Okay? Because Abay Tabdun, you're supposed to destroy them, you're supposed to want their destruction. You can't want it to exist. So now the Gemara is going to actually question that assumption. Okay? So basically, Rav Shesh is explaining the difference between the two cases is when he tells you, hold off, I'm going to go sell my Avodazara and I'll pay you back. 
that moment you want the Avodah Zarah to exist, or the Yei Nesach to exist, and that's a problem. So the Gemara says, Is it really forbidden? We're now going to show a Mishnah where it shows that actually there's a case where you want it to exist, and yet it's allowed. So what's the situation? An interesting situation. Okay, a non-Jewish father dies. You know, the, there's a non-Jew, and there's his brother, the Ger, okay, who converted, and now they want to split the inheritance of their father. Okay? Now, Midin, um, Midin Torah, there's no Yerusha of, of your non-Jewish father, if you're a Ger. Okay? If you're a Ger, he's not even considered your father. Anymore. Right, he's not considered your father, and therefore there's no Din Yerusha. Okay? Um, just one second. I think there's something I wanted to add here. Um, right. Okay. But we're going to see that the rabbis instituted Yerusha for a ger anyway. Okay. What's the reason? Do you remember? I think we've seen this before. Nobody would want to convert. Well, not, not only would no one want to convert, maybe they convert, but when it came time for their father's death and they realized they lose out on all their inheritance, they want to go back and be a non-Jew. We don't want that to happen. Okay, it's not so much that we want to encourage people to convert. It's that once they convert, we don't want to encourage them to go back. So because of that, okay, they they change it. But anyway, right now, let's just start off with this. We'll get to that soon in the Gemara. But right now, the ger can say to his brother, "You take all the idols." Vani ma'ot, and I'll take the money. Because he obviously doesn't want the idols. They're not going to do him any good. So he says, you take that. And kinedan, you know, equal value, I'll take the money. Tolata yenesech, vani perot, you take the yenesech, I'll take the fruits. Im asur. But if they already divided it, and then he wants to swap, then you can't do that. Now, why is it important that Ger doesn't have Yerusha? Because... If it was a Jew, there would be no such thing. Because a Jew, immediately, the Din Torah means that the second the father dies, you have possession over half the property. So you wouldn't be able to do this because you'd already own the, the idols. Whereas in this case, since there's no Din of Yerusha, Torah, so therefore, if you do it in one way, you're allowed. Because it doesn't immediately become yours until you start dividing. So if you divide it right from the beginning... And you don't get the idols, then it's okay. So now they say like this: I'm a rabbi um, Ah, so wait. So what does this prove? This proves that even what happens at the beginning when he says you take the idols and I'll take the other stuff, he wants the idols to exist because if the idols don't exist and they break before they split it, then he's going to lose half of whatever he thought he was going to take. So therefore, what do you see? It doesn't sound like it's a sore for somebody to want it to exist. Okay? So, they say, uh, really, it's a case where the idols were made, let's say, of gold, and it wasn't the idols that was so valuable, it was the gold itself. Okay? And therefore, he didn't really care if the idols break or not, because even if they break, you still have the gold that they're made of, or the silver, or whatever whatever material they're made of, it's a case where they're meaning they're, they're valued for the value of themselves or they're important in and of themselves even if they break. So therefore, 
it's a case where he doesn't want Bikiyumam, and then it doesn't raise a problem for us. Tina Chavodah Kochavim. So that works very nicely. With the, remember, there were two cases there. One is the idols, and one is the Yei Nesach. Now, you can't say somebody wants the Yei Nesach for the value of, I don't know what. It obviously, it's the value of the wine itself. So Yei Nesach Ma'ika Lamemar. Becheres Hadrayani. Hadar, I forget how you pronounce it. Hadrayani. The Hadrian's Cheres. If you remember, that was the Cheres, that they would store the wine, and they would soak it up with wine, and then they would take it out to battle, or wherever they would go, and they'd travel, and they would put it in water, and all the wine would come out, and they'd have wine to drink. It was a good portable way of transporting wine. Um, so in that case, it would be a case of Yei Nesach, where you don't really care if it breaks. Okay, but that's not a really good excuse, because, But in all these cases, you still want it to exist. It doesn't get stolen, that it doesn't even, right, in the first case and in the second case, both these cases, whether you say the Avodah for the value of the gold, or the or the Cheres for the value of the, the wine inside the Cheres, you, know, you don't care if it breaks, but even if it breaks, you, you, know, you still don't want it to get stolen, because otherwise you'll still lose your money. So therefore, it's a problem. So that's not a good excuse. So basically, they say, right now, we're stuck with this source, which seems to imply that you want the QMO, and yet it's Mutar. And we said, Rav Shesh said before, you want a Kiyomon, it's a sword. So Amar, Papa, Yerushat HaGer Ka'amarta. Yishana Yerushat HaGer Da'akilu Rabbi Rabbanan, Gzera Shema Yachzor L'Kilkulo. So then Rav Papa says, very simply, this is a case of Yerushat HaGer and it's unique. In other words, in all other circumstances, if you want a Kiyomon, it's going to be a sword. But in this case, they permitted it because they didn't want the Ger to go back to being not Jewish. Okay, and therefore, they permitted something that in other circumstances would be usher, but they permitted it here for other reasons. Okay, and that's why that source doesn't raise a contradiction. Okay, Tanya Namihachi, and here we're going to see support for that distinction between Yerushat HaGer and an irregular case. Bamed Amurim, this whole Mishnah that we saw by the Ger is only Sheyarshu. It's only if he and his brother inherited but if they had a business deal going, two people, a, a ger and a non-Jew, whether they were brothers or whether they weren't brothers, whatever it is, if they had a business going, and he said, well, I'll take the non-idle part, and you take the idle part of the, you know, of the proceeds, let's say they owned a store and they sold idols and other things, so then it would be asur, okay? If it was shutafut, it wouldn't work. It only worked, and this proves that it only works for Yerusha. Okay, next question that he asks. Hadur Yatvu become a Bailu. Another question while they were sitting together and uh, forgot his name. Rabbi Chia Barami asks them. Ger Toshav Maushi Vatel Kochavim. Is we talked about that a Jew is not allowed to cancel the idol status of idols, the Avodazar status of it. A non-Jew is allowed to. What about a ger toshav? A ger toshav is someone who, and that's why maybe it's a good example that we saw before with the ger. Because the ger who's about to be mitgayer, can he do bitol? Because he's already, maybe he's already considered even a ger toshav. Okay, they didn't ask it there, but here's the question. <coughs> do we say, de palach mavtil, de lo palach lo mavtil? Only someone who worships can cancel, and someone who doesn't worship can cancel. O dilma kol davar, Mine mivtal, v'hai bar min. Sorry, called debar mine mavtils. Anyone who's a bar min and has that type, he, even a ger toshav falls into the category of a non-Jewish person. So, do we say if it's bar mine, he could be mivatel v'hai bar mine who, and he's a non-Jewish person? Amar lehu Rav Nachman, 
Mistabra de palach maftil to lo palach lo maftil. So Rav Nachman says, it seems like only if you worship it can you cancel it, and if you don't worship it, you can't cancel it. Now we're going to have some questions on this opinion of Rav Nachman. Metive. So first source to contradict. Yisrael shamatza ovada kochavim bashuk. Ad shalobata liyado, omer love kochavim umevatla. So he finds uh, an idol in the shuk. So if it didn't yet come into his reshut, he could say to a non-Jew, please cancel it. Meaning he hasn't yet bought it? Right. Well, I assume it's um, picked, it it picked it up and claimed it as his own. Okay, you find a lost item on the street, it's an idol, and it's got value because of the, you know, maybe it's made of gold or some other, some other material that you can use. You can sell it, you can weld it down, you know, melt it. Um, so he can go to a non-Jew on the street and say, hey, can you just cancel this and then I'll pick it up and I'll, it'll be mine. Mishabat liadel, but once it it's his, eno omer love kochavim umavatla mipneishamru. Okay, that part wasn't really relevant for our purposes yet because we're only right. This part is very simply Jew non Jew. We don't yet know about a ger toshav, but it's the reason is they say mipneishamru, and here comes the klal. Ove kochavim mevatel avodak kochavim shelo v'shel chaveru. He can cancel his own idols or his friends' idols. Bain ovda ubain she'ain ovda. Whether he worshipped it or whether he didn't worship it. Now we're going to have to figure out what does this term mean. So the first assumption is my ovda or my she'ain ovda. Ilema idivi idi ovei kochavim hainu shelo v'shel chaveru. If we want to say that both the one who worships and the one who doesn't worship is actually an Ovei Kochavim, but one is the God he worship it, worships, the Elil that he worships, and one is the Elil his friend worships. So it means, Ovda Ve'en Ovda means, this is the one I worship, like I worship, you know, I'll give the two examples they're going to bring soon. I worship Peor, my friend worships Markolis, I get to the Shuk and someone asks me to be Mavato Markolis, since I'm an idol worshiper, I can cancel it. But if that's the case, Right? That's already said in the right there's there's two lines in this bright. Right? The bright says, uh, right, it says, And then it says, So if means I worship this idol and you worship that idol, well that's already It means he could cancel his own idols, or he could cancel the assumption you could explain this in other ways the idol his friend worships meaning I don't worship that idol but you know I can cancel that one El alav ovda ovei kochavim sorry ovda means ovei kochavim umay she'en ovda ger toshav so it must be what they said in that line is who can cancel it someone who worships and someone who's not a worshiper who's not a worshiper a ger toshav so that right now they're assuming shalovda means ger toshav, and therefore it says in the Brayta, ger toshav can cancel. So there's your, right? So that contradicts what Rav Nachman said, that a ger toshav can't cancel it. He has to be a worshiper. So now they're going to explain. Um, ah, so wait one minute. Ushma mina, ger toshav nami mevata. Okay, and therefore it sounds like ger toshav could be mevata. Now the Gemara says, la la la. Laolam emalacha idi v'idi avodik kochavim. So now we're going to go back to saying what is Shalov Shalchavero and what is Bein Ovda Bein Shalovda and Shalovda is not going to mean Ger Toshav. It's going to mean something else. So it's going to go back to the way we explained it before. 
they're both talking about idol worshippers. So when you said Hainu it's the same thing. So they're going to say like this. The Reisha, when it says Shalom Vashel Chavero, is Zevazele Peor, Vizelezele Markolis. They both worship Peor and they both worship Markolis. And he's canceling his friends. Right? So then, according to this, he's canceling his friends. Right? Yeshla Peor Shalom, Vizel Peor Shalom. Right, he can cancel his friend's idol, okay, even if it's not his. So he worships poor and his friend worships poor. He worships Marcolis, his friend worships Marcolis. But on the street, it's his friend's. And it's someone else's idol, but it's something he worships also. Okay? But Seifa is Zela Poor Vizela Marcolis. But Seifa is where you're a poor worshiper and you see Marcolis, you're still allowed to cancel that. But then the assumption would be only for an idol worshiper, if you're a Ger Toshav, you can't, and therefore this source is now explained according to Rav Nachman in that way. Second source against Rav Nachman, Meitive. Ezehu Ger Toshav, Rabbi Meir. We now have a machloket. What makes someone a Ger Toshav? According to Rabbi Meir, he accepts in front of three people, it's almost like a baiting. I'm not going to worship idols. As long as it's not an idol worshiper, that consider, that's considering, considered a ger toshav. Chachamim omrim, kol shekibel alav sheva mitzvot shekiblu alehem b'nei noach. Right? This is the standard shita. In order to be a ger toshav, you have to accept upon yourself sheva mitzvot b'nei noach. It's interesting, because we always accept that as a standard. Ger toshav is someone who accepts sheva mitzvot b'nei noach. Now we see there's a machloket about it. Okay? The three-way machloket. Acherim omrim. nothing to do with destroying the idols. Because once they declare in front of three judges or three people that they won't be worshipped idols anymore, are they still allowed to destroy the idol? Right. We haven't gotten to yet how this connects with Rav Nachman, okay? They're not talking at all here about destroy, about canceling idols. Right. No, they're not. You accept Shavuot Sopan Enoch, that's not a Ger Toshav. You say, I'm not going to worship idols, that's not a Ger Toshav. Right? Let's just start with that one, right? That's not enough to just say, I won't worship idols. It's not even enough to do Shavuot Sopan Enoch. What do you have to do? Interesting that this is the one thing, you'll listen. Or well, you'll see, you have to do everything except for one thing. Okay, a Ger Toshav is someone who accepts upon him. All the mitzvot, except, I don't know why this is the one, except for eating nivelot, okay? Animals that die, right, without proper shkita. That's the, that's the thing, okay? Now, according, okay, so now we're going to talk about this ger toshav. What is allowed and what is not allowed with the ger toshav. Miyachdin etzlo yayin ve'em mafkidin etzlo yayin. You can give him wine to watch. Now, Rashi explains what's the difference between miyachadim and mafkidim. Miyachadim, he gives two differences. Some say that only really one is the major difference, and the other one he just brings in addition, but it's not really an important one or like a relevant one, but maybe actually it's both. He says, number one, miyachadim is Yisrael meniach bechanuto. Okay? He leaves it in his chanut rather than mafkid is to put it in his house. But the main reason is miyached is for a short period of time, and mafkid is you give it to him to watch over. That's for a long period of time. That's the real issue, according to Rashi. It's how much period of time you're giving him to watch your wine. Now, what's the concern? The concern is is he makpid, as we're assuming he doesn't worship before the Zara, so we're not worried about him 
doing Yenesach with it, but he might not be careful about non-Jews coming in contact with the wine, right? Because he's not keeping all the mitzvot. So, again, it depends on your definition, but... Okay. And even, you can't even leave the wine for him to watch, even if it's a city that's mostly Jews. But you can give him for a short period of time, even if most of the inhabitants of that city are non-Jews. We're not worried he's going to let him touch it you know, for a short period of time. Um... Uh, one second. Okay. Shamno kiyeno. And his his oil is like his wine. Okay. Gemara says, Shamno kiyeno salkadatach. Shemen mikave ye nesech. You're saying that Shemen all of a sudden has the issue of ye nesech? Mapitom, right? The only time we ever talked about Shemen, let's remind ourselves, what's the issue with Shemen? Shemen was one of those things they were gozer. Remember, Yenesech has two issues. Benotehen, we don't want you to intermarry, and that forbids a bishtiyah. But in addition, it has the issue of avodasara, which maybe they were in Menasech to their gods, in which case you now have also Isor Hana'ah. Shemen was only forbidden because they didn't want you to have interactions with non-Jews, like the bishul and the, and the pot and all those. And in the end, you remember, Rebbe and his beitim were matyo the Shemen. Okay, the assumption in the end is going to be that this source was obviously told before they matured the shaman. Only when the shaman was forbidden is this was this source written. Okay, otherwise it really makes no sense. No, yeah, it's unlikely. I don't. I think because it was pretty widely accepted. Anyway, it makes sense because I think it was Rabbi Yehuda Nisia who did it, and he was after the Tanaitic time period. So it also makes sense that it would have been that the source precedes them. So now, what do we have here? Um, uh, it's Dr. trying to say the opposite. Their wine, the wine of the Ger Toshav, is like their Shemen, which means, which means what? It's Mutar Bahana'ah. Okay? It's only forbidden to drink, right? Because it obviously means not Shemen when, when they repeal the Xerah entirely. In other words, we still don't want you to intermarry with them, but. We're only worried about intermarriage. We're not worried about yein nesach. Okay? So therefore, their yayin has the status of their shemen. Um, and one second. Yein no yein nesach. One second. Okay. Ulishar kol davar hareyu keoved kochavim. But for all other purposes, he's like an oved kochavim. Okay? Now we're going to have to figure out what that line means. But hold off. Right now we're still in the bright. So we'll get back to why we brought this, what this is here for. Rabban Shimon Omer, Yeno Yen Nesech. No, the Ger Toshav's wine is Yen Nesech. And Rashi says, because he's not Makpid on Magal de Kochavim. Okay, and therefore, yes, it's true, he's not going to be Menasech, but we have to worry that maybe he's going to let someone else touch it, and therefore he treats it like Yen Nesech. And some people say that Rabban Shimon wasn't coming to Aser it more. He was actually coming to say, it's Mutar B'Shtiyah. He's going the other direction. Since the guy's not an idol worshiper, what's the whole reason we're not allowed to intermarry? We're worried that they're going to make us worship idols. But a Ger Toshav, yeah, we don't really want you to marry the Ger Toshav, but it's not as bad as an Aveda Vodazara. And therefore, we don't need all these because they wrote of don't drink wine with them, don't this, because it's less of a problematic situation. And therefore, he so there's a machloket about whether he was more machmir or more mako. Okay, getting back to our issue. Um... 
Katani miha. Okay, this is when they always do this word. I mean, well, in any case, let's forget about everything it says in the Bible. This is what we want to focus on. Ulishar kodvarav hareu kochavim. Now, let's just remember what we were up to here. Rav Nachman said that only if he worships can he cancel. If he doesn't worship, he can't cancel the Avodazar. So, what's lish lishar kol dvarav hareu koveh kochavim? Is it not? If it's saying, for all intents and purposes, it's like an obey kochavim, isn't it trying to tell us for the purposes of canceling a vodazara, that you can cancel a vodazara just like any other obey kochavim? So, and therefore, it would seem to go against what Rav Nachman said. So now, I'm Rav Nachman Rayitzchak, lo. Litain reshut u levatel reshut. This issue of treating him like an obey kochavim has to do with a totally different issue. It's interesting that it says lishar kol davar, right? For all intents and purposes. But instead of saying lishar kol davarav means everything, they're going to say it means one particular thing. Okay, they're basically reinterpreting. So it must be, it's coming for this halacha of eruv chatzerot. Okay, we need a little background. Okay, a few people now are totally on a different topic, and this is just to say that it's not coming to say anything. Because notice, like Naomi said, this source didn't talk at all about giving him the opportunity to cancel of Avodah Kochavim or not. They just thought that maybe this line, L'shar Kol Rav, Kochavim, meant for that. They're going to say, no, no, no. L'shar Kol Rav meant, he's like an Avodah Kochavim, for the purposes of Eruv Chatzalot. We have a few houses. We all live in a common courtyard. Okay? Can we carry in this courtyard on Shabbat? No. What do we have to do if we want to carry within the courtyard for Shabbat? We have to do an Eruv Chatzalot. What's an Eruv Chatzalot? We put some food together. Everybody has to be Mishtatev. Okay? And we all join and we say, this all belongs to all of us. We're all kind of giving up our reshut to the common. We're treating this as a common area that belongs to all of us. What if there's someone in the chatzer who doesn't want to do this? So if there's one, let's assume, let's just start with the case, they're all Jews. One Jew says, I don't want to join. He messes it up for everybody because the chatzer now is not a joint entity owned by all of them. If he doesn't do it before Shabbat. Let's say he was working till really late and they couldn't get to him and, and uh, his, you know, no one was in the house, his wife was around, you know, there was no one to deal with it. And it comes Shabbat and they've gotten everybody in part except for one guy. So he can say on Shabbat, and on Shabbat, he can't join in because that's like acquiring something. But he can say, I'm mivater on my reshut in the chatzir for Shabbat. I'm, not, I'm giving up my possession of the common area. Okay? And you can say that, and that works. What if there's a non-Jew living in the Chatzir? So a non-Jew can't give up his Rashut. He can't say, I'm giving it to you as a gift. You can have my Rashut in the Chatzir. He can't do that. The only thing he can do is he can rent you his share of the Chatzir. You can pay him for it. And if you pay him for it, then it'll work. Okay? So to do this before every Shabbat? So yeah, they would do it before every Shabbat. Okay? Nowadays, we, you know, there's like a, and as what we do is an Arab in the city, and somebody checks that there's food there every Shabbat, you know, it has to be done before. We do it a little, you know, we kind of use this and use it a bit of a different way, but, okay, now, the real reason why they didn't let the non-Jew give it as a gift is because they wanted to discourage Jews from living with non-Jews in a common chatzer, for the same reasons as all these other things. They didn't want the Jews to learn from their ma'asim and copy their behavior and start worshiping idols. Okay, so let's read now. Ukeditanya. So what's it for? Litain reshut u'levatel reshut. 
What it means is the Shara Kol Davar, they're like in Obey Kohavim, that they can't give Rishut and they can't cancel their Rishut like a Jew can on Shabbat and say, oh, I, you know, I'm canceling my need for Rishut Mishchatzer, you know, you can have it. Uchidutanya, Yisrael Mumar, Mishamer Shabbatov Bashuk. If there's Yisrael who doesn't keep mitzvot, but he is Mishamer Shabbat, in other words, in the Shuk, he won't be Mechalel Shabbat. Mivatel Rishut, Okay, he's allowed on Shabbat to be treated like a Jew, and he can say, you can have my Rishut in the Chatzir. But She'eim is Shamir Shabbat Tobashuk, but if he's Michal Shabbat before Hesya, then we treat him like a non-Jew. Ein mevatel Rishut, mipnei Shamru, Yisrael notein Rishut umevatel Rishut, ubalvei kochavim ad shiyizkor. Okay, so now we're going to say the Yisrael Mumar, who's Michal Shabbat before Hesya, is treated like a non-Jew for this kind of... A, issue, he can't just give you as a gift his Rashut, and he also can't on Shabbat say, oh, I'm giving up my rights to the, the Rashut here. Okay? So now, what's the point here? I'll continue the bright time one second, but the point is, I'll stop in the middle right now just to explain, the point is already, our point was made, that when it said Lishar that the Ger Toshav is going to have the status of like a Yisrael Mumar, or like an Ovei Kohavim, for the purposes of Eruv Chatzerot. So if you're living in a Chatzer with them, they can't just give up their Rishut. Okay? Um, now, they're just going to, the Bright is going to continue to say, Kate Sad, how do you cancel Rishut on Shabbat? Omer lo, Rishuti knuya lecha, Rishuti mevatel lecha, kana ve'en sarich lezakot. You don't have to actually do a Kinyan. All you have to do is just say, my Rashid is yours, or my Rashid is canceled to me, okay? And, you know, it's yours. So that's how you do this Bitu Rashid, but you can only do it if you're a Jew, and you're a Jew who keeps mitzvot, and not a Gert HaShav, and not a Gert in which case, that source doesn't contradict Rav Nachman, who said from the beginning that an Ovei Kohavim, uh, sorry, a Gert HaShav is not allowed to cancel a Vodazara, okay? Because we treat him like a non-idol worshiper for those purposes. The fact that we saw these other sources where they treated the Ger Toshav as differently, that, you know, each one was something different. This one was just for the purposes of Bitor Rashut, but not for the purposes of canceling of Odisara. So the Kodir can't, like... What? Could he cancel or can he, he can't cancel. cancel. Only someone who worships can cancel of Odisara, according Is to Is there meant to be a distinction between Ger Toshav and Ger but a Gert Tzedek is someone who fully converts. A Gert Toshav is someone so who doesn't like convert. Right. This is, again, there's a machloket about what he does. Does he just not do a Zara? Does he keep all the Shabbat open and over? Or does, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's worth looking into to try to figure out why that was the one thing. You know, they do all the mitzvot except eat nevelo. So, maybe, <laughs> look, food, well, it's not super strange because food is a very big... But did it say not to be kosher or even not to be like... Right. Although it could be that that's the standard. You hear all the time. It's like like someone says the restaurant's not kosher even if it's a dairy restaurant. You know, they 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 treat like... <laughs> you say I do kosher shlita, like that's okay for everything. You know, the, it's a it's a term. Maybe that was ochel nevelo might have been a catchphrase for he keeps kosher. It could, you know, he doesn't keep kosher. I think it's fascinating. It's 